Thanks be to God. Would you turn, please, in the scriptures to uh, 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, and uh, let's continue on our study of uh, separated. Separated. In 2 Corinthians 6 and the 14th verse, and I want to read this in, uh, from Young's literal translation, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It says, Become not yoked with others unbelievers. For what partaking is there to righteousness and lawlessness? What's the answer to that? None. Now, uh, let me, uh, before we finish reading this, he's not just talking about don't have any association. Are y'all with me? Because you read other scriptures where he said, if you're just going to try to not have any association with people that are doing things that are wrong, I'm paraphrasing, you'd have to go out of the world. He said, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that you can't work with somebody or you can't be around your neighbor or this or that. This is talking about unions, partnerships. Come on, can you see this? Entering into some kind of covenant with and, you know, of course, marriage and, and other things. Yoked. A yoke is when you've got something, uh, you know, strong that is tying two together. This is not just a casual acquaintance. Verse 15, what fellowship to light with darkness? What's the answer? None. They don't. Light and darkness don't fellowship. What concord to Christ with Belial? Belial's a name for the devil. What's the answer? Now, you know, a lot of Christians don't believe that. Heard somebody the other day talking about they heard a message that the, the preacher talked about that the, um, the Lord keeps the devil on a short leash. But, you know, he lets him off sometime. And uh, no, no, the devil is not the Lord's dog that he uses to do this and that. He's, he's the enemy of God. He's your enemy. They're not working together. If God and the devil's working together, we've had it. We're done. How, how do you fix that? How do you work with that? It's not true. What concord do Christ and the devil have? Help me out. None. The answer to every one of these is none. What part to a believer and an unbeliever? None. If, and, and if you say, well, that, I don't know that I agree with that, then I would question how much of a believer you are. Because if your beliefs don't hinder you, from doing anything and everything and being in complete agreement with unbelievers, right. I question if you have beliefs. Right. If your beliefs are malleable, yeah. adjustable, depending on what crew you're with, you don't have beliefs. Verse 16, what agreement to the sanctuary of God with idols? What's the answer? None. For you are. A sanctuary of the living God. Come on, say it out loud. We are, we are a, sanctuary a sanctuary of the living God. The living God. What, what that means, the living God lives in us. Yes. Come on, say it out loud. The living God, the living God lives, lives in us, lives in me. According as God said, I'll dwell in them, I'll walk among them, I'll be their God. And they shall be my people. How many agree with that? Well, how many Christians would agree with that? Certainly. But it doesn't stop there. That's not even the end of the sentence. Wherefore, come ye forth out of the midst of them and be separated. From what? Well, from the devil, from darkness, all the things he had mentioned before. Right? Unbelief says the Lord, and an unclean thing do not touch, and I will receive you. Like we've talked about before, just like there are nasty, filthy things physically, there are nasty, 
filthy things spiritually. It's just as real, just as real and more real than the physical. You, you hear people sometimes say, man, after, after hearing that or watching that, I feel like I need a bath. I just felt dirty hearing that, seeing that, talking about that. Well, why would you use that exact terminology? Because you did get defiled. Doesn't mean you, you stop being a Christian. Doesn't mean you're no longer a child of God. Doesn't mean the Lord doesn't love you. It means you need to be washed up. Someone said, well, I'm already washed by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, but just because you were washed by the blood doesn't mean you can't go back and jump in the ditch. And Jesus said to the disciples, he said, now you are clean through the word that I've spoken to you. The Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. And then he said to them also, he said, uh, he that is clean or washed is clean every whit. And he, he talked about except to wash your feet. What does that mean? Well, in those days, you know, the uh, plumbing wasn't necessarily even in the house. And the water was in the well or the creek or the river. And you could go and wash up in the river. But then you got to get back to the house. Is that right? And you would contaminate your clean feet by getting back to the house. Doesn't mean you're dirty. You don't need a bath, but you do need to rinse off your feet. I'm quoting Jesus. That's what he said. And so walking through this nasty world, you need some rinse off. Right? <laughs> and if you put yourself in a position to be defiled in your mind and your thoughts, thank God you can be cleansed and washed. But the big thing is, if you just go back tomorrow and get back in it again, well, you're going to stay contaminated half the time, not lost, but just defiled. And, and we, we hadn't got to this yet, but defiling dulls you. It dulls your spiritual seeing and hearing. To be clean is to be clear. Clear to hear. Somebody, that's a coming title. Let's keep reading this. What did he say? Don't touch the unclean thing. And I'll receive you. I'll be to you for a father. You'll be to me sons and daughters. Says the Lord Almighty. Uh, keep going. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. Having then these promises beloved. May we cleanse ourselves. See there, there's a cleansing. That only the blood can do. You can't do it. But then there's a cleansing, and that's as far as you keeping yourself out of the ditch, that only you can do. God's not going to do that for you. If you want to get back in the filth, you can. And if, and if you ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and you receive it, you will. You'll be cleansed. But if you get back in it before the day's over, you see what I'm talking about? So there's a way, a sense in which we need to, and and I've got to put this with the previous verse, separate yourself. From the thing that's contaminating and defiling. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't, you know, don't be preaching to me a bunch of do's and don'ts. Don't be preaching a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, is everything in this world a do? Is it okay? Is it good to do anything? Everything? There are lines we shouldn't cross. Is that right? And it's not about somebody's list. It's about your own conscience. Mm -hmm. Y'all yeah. mm -hmm. with me, friends? Yes. So go with me now, please, to the book of uh, Daniel. I didn't read Romans, but for time's sake, I'll just quote it to you a little bit. And you go into Daniel, the first chapter. Daniel chapter 1, that scripture in Romans just simply says, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not everything is good. Not everything is acceptable. Not everything is the will of God. And just because you got born again doesn't mean you know all of that. Our minds need to be renewed. 
so that we think more and more like him and we see things more and more like him. And in so doing, we take the stand that we're not going to be conformed. Everybody say, not conformed. Now conform, a good picture of this would be to take Play-Doh and push it into a mold. Well, what's going to happen with that Play-Doh when you push it into that mold? It's going to take the shape of the mold. Well, that's a perfect picture because the enemy is always trying to push you and make you a cookie-cutter duplicate of the ungodly, of the ungodly world. And that, that push is pressure. I mean, we got names for it, peer pressure. What is peer pressure? That, that's pressure to push you to what? Conform, is that right? To the rest of the group. Peer means the same. You know, same people at the same level and place. It's a pressure for you to not rock the boat, to not be different. But to, if everybody's doing this, you do it too. And don't say anything negative about it. If everybody says this is how it's supposed to be, that's what you say. If everybody goes to these places, that's where you go. And as long as you conform, then there's no persecution. But what did the scripture say? They that will live godly in Christ Jesus might, that I misquote that, shall suffer what? Persecution. Is persecution fun? No, it's not. It's not fun being excluded. It's not fun, you know, being left out. It's not fun being mocked, being ridiculed. Have you ever been ridiculed for being a <laughs> that didn't take long to answer. For for being a believer. For going to this church. Oh boy. <laughs> huh? People say, they're one of them. <laughs> them them what? Them, you know, they believe in that prosperity gospel. <laughs> Ooh. And they talk in tongues. Those tongue things. <laughs> yep. That's us. <laughs> when you fit in with the ungodly, you should be very, very concerned. Right? You should go home and repent and say, what's wrong with me? I am not supposed to fit in with all the ungodly. I'm not supposed to go along with everything that they do. Hmm. No. So if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you must separate yourself from, see, he, he mentioned a whole list of things in that text. You must separate yourself from it. In Daniel, notice a, a great example of this. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried to the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. That is a dark day that the articles of the temple were taken and put in the house of worship of a false god. But it's because it's God's people ignored him and rebelled against him for a long time. The king spoke unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge, understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and to whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So this was the best of the best, the cream of the crop from the countries that he conquered. And he's going to teach them the Chaldean language, and he's grooming them 
to be his representatives in all in these places where he's conquered. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat or food and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, and we'd say food, the king's food, nor with the wine which he drank. Daniel did what? He did what? He purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with what the ungodly were doing. Now, there's no, no question here that the diet that they had for them would have been completely contrary to what God had given them in the law. There would have been a lot of pork. There would have been probably uh, blood dishes and could have been blood wine. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is not a, a worshiper of God. You understand this? And so it could have been all kind of stuff. And um, Daniel was so bothered by this that he made the resolution he's not going to defile himself. He did that within himself. Not vocally and publicly. Is everybody listening? He didn't get attitude and say, I'm not eating this junk. He's in no position to say and do that for one thing. And for another thing, that doesn't work. He was very respectful, he was gracious, and he does something in faith. Come on, can you see this? Read the rest of it. Therefore he what? Everybody say that word out loud. Requested. Now, here's something that will really make a difference in situations. Are you asking or telling? You getting favor can be the difference between the two. God can hear your prayer and be working on people to incline their hearts towards you and give you favor with them. And you can show up and be disrespectful and make demands and mess up what God was doing for you. Because human beings can do whatever they decide to do. Even if God has prepared them and dealt with them, you show up and act like a heathen. And they can say, well, forget them. I was going to do this. I was thinking about this. But forget that. Everybody say, requested. What does that mean? Help your neighbor out and say, you asking or telling? <laughs> You asking or telling? You asking or telling? This works real good at home. Get me some of that. Even if people comply, they don't enjoy it. What's wrong? How much more effort does it take? How much more breath does it take to just say, could you please? Would you? <laughs> Just a moment. It, it takes no time at all. Hardly an effort. And, and instead of demanding, requesting. Because the truth is, they don't know that to you. <laughs> he said uh, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Keep going. He requested. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor. Somebody say favor, favor. But what's favor connected with? Grace and 
If you're going to operate in grace, you need to be gracious. Did you hear that? You need to be yielding to grace yourself. If you're expecting grace, if you want to reap grace, shouldn't you sow grace? If you want people to be gracious and favorable to you, shouldn't you be gracious with them? Not demanding, asking. The Lord gave me this phrase decades ago. Faith puts no pressure on people. If I'm looking to God, I'm not counting on what you do or don't do. Come on, can you see that? I'm looking to Him to make it happen. Right? And I know human beings don't ever have to obey God. But what if they don't obey God? Then we can't get what we get. Oh, no, no, no. There's other people. Right? There's other God, how many ways does God have to do anything? Oh, man. And if it's absolutely necessary, he can replace people. He can do it. But you don't have to look at people and pressure them and pull on them and demand from them. That's being faithless. That's not having faith in God. Anytime you're pressuring people to make something happen for you, you are not in faith in God. Keep reading. God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now this is showing you, this is not something Daniel did. Now he's cooperating with it. Who did it? God is the one. He knew these boys are going to wind up here. He knows these men's heart. He knows what's going to happen in the future. And he's already gone ahead of them and prepared. This man is basically controlling their lives for the next three years at least. And before they ever showed up, God, somebody say God, God. he dealt with this man. And then when he shows up, see they got, they got boys there from other countries and from all over the world going through the same program. But these boys... The guy just, and he's not a Christian, he's not a Hebrew, he's not, he's an unbeliever, he's an idol worshiper, and he just likes these boys. He likes these boys. Who did that? Come on, help me out. When God's working favor for you, you do not want to go mess it up. Do you? And you can. You can mess up. What God is doing for you by attitude, by demanding and doing, you know, doing things you shouldn't do. God had brought him into favor and tender love. Verse 10, the prince of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king has appointed your meat, your food and your drink. Why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of sort, your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Now, Daniel First of all, he settled it. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm I'm not going to conform to this. Is he in any position, naturally, to make that kind of statement? He's not. But I'm convinced if it had taken, well, I, I don't have to wonder what happened with the other three when the, they were threatened to be thrown in the fiery furnace. They wouldn't conform. Is that right? What happened to Daniel later when uh, everybody was supposed to only pray to the king? He wouldn't conform. He got thrown in the lion's den. They got thrown in the fiery furnace. So I know when he made this commitment inside his heart, it wouldn't have mattered what had happened to him. He wouldn't have conformed. Can y'all see this? If they'd have said, well, we're, we're kicking you out of the program, or we're putting you in jail, uh, he'd, he'd have said, well, okay. Can you see this? But, I, but he didn't start off preaching condemnation on them. Come on, okay. he, he didn't say, this is nasty stuff. You got blood pudding. You got this. You got that. 
y'all are just, y'all are wrong for eating this stuff. That's how you get killed. This is the king's menu. He picked this up. All right. You get to run in your mouth about the king don't know what he's doing. How many know we need to have some sense? We need to have, I'm not talking about fear. I'm just talking about not causing yourself unnecessary trouble and problems. Getting ahead of God. Doing things you shouldn't be doing. Being gracious. Trusting God to go before you. Trusting God to deal with them. And getting in faith about it. So the, the eunuch, he likes him. But he's saying, basically, I'm sorry, buddy. I mean, the king set the menu. And if we don't go with this program and you're, you're a little off weight or you don't look good at the end of this time, I'm a dead man. When they find out you did what? You changed the king's menu? I'll lose my head. So basically, he's saying, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. Keep going. And uh, then said Daniel to Melzar, this is that we got the man's name, who was set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I can't be defiled with this nasty food. <laughs> you bunch of heathens do not know what's right and wrong. Ungodly bunch. We wouldn't have his story. Would we? (laughs) I believe what the Spirit of God is saying today. Help me, Lord, to say this the way you gave it to me. We can be holy without judging. We can be kind without conforming. We can be confident without condemning. And our job... It's not just to preach to people. Our job is to demonstrate. Demonstrate. Now, you know, this is church. We teach and preach in church. Right? And yeah, there are times when people want to hear it. That uh, you share a word with them. But there are many, many times and situations when you need to stop preaching to people. And they need to see in your life what you have been talking about. And what's even worse is that you preach it and don't live it. Y'all with me, friends? So when we're talking about separation, basically you're talking about holiness, we're not talking about judging and fault-finding people that they're not holy. Not at all. This is about us being so sure of what we know and believe that we're not going to allow ourselves to be sucked in and conformed. This is about us taking care of us. Can you see that? And having confidence that even when people say they don't believe it and reject it or mock or ridicule us, they're still seeing it. I said they're still seeing it. And they're they're seeing more than they're letting on. We're going to see that in the scriptures in just a moment. But uh, we are counting not on our berating and condemning and judging and nagging people and bugging them and preaching to them nonstop. That needs to stop. We're counting on God Showing up in our lives when we don't conform. So that they, whether they acknowledge it or not, they see it. They see a difference. Do we have that in this passage right here? Keep reading. What did Daniel say? Test us. Is another word you could use for this. Test us. You got to watch about getting so adamant and getting so stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm not eating this nasty food and nobody can make me do it. 
Because I'm a holy man of God. You, you a dead man. You don't know where you are. You don't know what's going on. You ain't in Kansas no more, baby. You, you in the king's house. You know, I'm talking about fear. I'm not talking about compromise. Like I've already said, if he had said, no, you have to eat it, I think Daniel would have been, been willing to even die over it. Because he had purposed in his heart. I don't think he would have been ugly and disrespectful, but he would have said, I can't. I can't. And then he said, well, go to the dungeon. Or worse. But he's not there. Daniel's got some wisdom, even as a boy, and oh, he's got some faith. He said uh, to this man, he said, could you test us just 10 days? Is this the wisdom of God? But see, what's he counting on? He's counting on God. Is that right? He's counting on God. Because God's the one who told them not to eat this stuff, right? He's the one who told them not to defile themselves. He didn't, Daniel didn't just dream this up. He's counting on God showing up and demonstrate. He's not counting on himself convincing this man. He's counting on God showing up. He's not counting on him preaching to him until he convinces him. He's counting on the man seeing it with his own eyes, seeing the results. He said, give us 10 days. Let him give us pulse. That's the word for vegetables. Let him give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Keep going. Then let our countenances be looked on before you and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat. You be the judge. You look at us, you look at them, and as you see, then you deal with your servants. Everybody say grace, Grace. wisdom, Wisdom. faith, Faith. respect. Respect. This is how you get miracles. Verse 14, so he what? He consented to them in this matter. He didn't have to. And proved or tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, guess what? Guess what? Their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them the vegetables. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And if you skip on down to the rest of it, he talks about by the end of this, when in their final testing at the end of the uh, three years, they were ten times better than the rest of the people in the training program. That's the Lord. That's the anointing. But it began, this is the beginning of the book of Daniel. It's the beginning of all these stories. They're boys. And it began with what? Daniel purposed. In his heart. That he's not going to compromise. Can you see this saints? Go with me to. uh, 1 Peter. The second chapter. 1 Peter 2. Do you believe the spirit of the Lord. Saying something to us today. When it comes to. Daily interaction with people. In many cases. There's been too much preaching. And not enough demonstration. Anytime you detect. People do not want to hear you. Preaching to them. You really need to check. If you should keep talking. In uh, 1 Peter 2. And verse 11. Dearly beloved. I beseech you. As strangers and pilgrims. How many know we're just passing through. (laughs) Abstain. From fleshly lusts. Everybody's got to deal with this. Which what? War against the soul. Galatians talks about the the flesh versus the spirit. 
Verse 12, having your conversation, that's your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Listen to the, uh, the God's Word translation. Verse 12, live decent lives among unbelievers. How many think that's, that's a message right there? Is this talking about preaching to them? It is not. This is living. A, a very famous evangelist who preached to some of the biggest crowds in the world. Somebody asked him one night, he said, who, who's preaching got you into the kingdom? He said, it was my uncle's living. My uncle's life. His living that got me in. He saw the reality of God in his uncle's day-to-day life. Hallelujah. Somebody say live. Live decent lives. You remember the scripture in Acts says, uh, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall go a-witnessing. Is that what it said? Uh-uh. You will be. Everybody say be. You, you, you will be witnesses. To me. A witness is something you are when you're not talking. Right? At home, on the job, everywhere. He said, live decent lives among unbelievers. Then, although they ridicule you as if you're doing wrong while they're watching you do good things, they'll wind up praising God <laughs> in the end on the day he comes to help you. Do not be moved by people that mock you and make fun of you when you don't participate in ungodly things. Do not let that phase you and move you because probably most of their remarks are not sincere and not honest. A lot of it, they probably don't even believe their self and they in all likelihood respect it a whole lot more than they would ever acknowledge And that's what this is talking about. Listen to the the Good News translation. The Good News says, Your conduct among the heathen should be so good that when they accuse you of being evildoers, they'll have to recognize your good deeds and so praise God on the day of His coming. Somebody say glory to God. This is not our preaching. This is our living. This is our refusal to be conformed, our purposing in our heart not to be defiled, us being a living witness of what is right and what is good, not judging anybody, not putting them down, not finding fault with them, just us not doing it and being happy. And did you see that Daniel and his companions, they got ten times better results than the ones who were going the ungodly, defiling way. The holy way gets better results. In the real world, measurable results in the real world. And people care about it, even if they say they don't believe in God, they care about that. They care about a ten times better performance. Oh, yeah. And whether they want to admit it or not, the Spirit of God will deal with them. They know in their heart it's connected to you being the way you are and not conforming. And yet, you don't judge. You're not trying to tell them what they can or can't do. This is about you not being conformed. 1 Peter 3, you're just right there. 1 Peter 3, 1, all this flows together. You see it even more clearly here. Likewise, he said, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be one, and he reemphasizes it again, without the word. One, by the conversation, that's the lifestyle. Of the wives. Now, this is especially 
a good insight. When you are husband and wife, you're seeing each other all the time. And if the, in this case, the man's an unbeliever, he's got an idea what you believe. And you've probably said some things before. And if he didn't like it and don't want to hear it, you need to hush. You need to stop preaching, according to this verse. And what do you need to count on for him to be one? Him seeing. Not, not you nagging him. Him seeing the results of holiness, of faith, of godliness. You got to have faith to do that, to hush and count on God to show up. That takes faith, doesn't it? To be quiet. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Complete English version, listen to this. Complete English version. If you're a wife, put your husband first. Well, that's the way they said it. Even if he opposes our message, you will win him over by what you do. No one else will have to say anything to him. This is being one without words. Is that what they said? One without words. Without preaching. Well, they've already heard that. They didn't like it. They rejected it. So telling them another 150 times is not going to fix it, as a lot of people have demonstrated. And this is not just with husbands and wives. This principle works with everybody. Everywhere. People you work with. Neighbors. Siblings. Family members. Unbelieving, you know, uh, siblings or parents or children or whatever. If they don't want to hear it, quit preaching to them. Oh, you didn't say that, Brother Keith. You, did, did you read this verse? Right? What needs to happen is they need to see it. The results of faith. The results of being led. The results of being separated. And there will be times when people, they will mock they will laugh. They will ridicule. Don't let it phase you or move you because most of it, they don't even believe their self. And when they are away from their unbelieving crowd and they're at nighttime on their bed by their self, the Spirit of God brings it back to them. Come on, can you see that? And whether they'll accept it or not, in their heart of hearts, they know it's true. It's right. And what should you do? You just keep on being a beacon. You keep on being a light. And you can be kind, but you don't conform. Right? You can be separated, but you don't judge. You don't condemn. It's not about telling them how they need to live. It's about showing them how to live. That's more challenging. Than telling people how to live. Show them. Demonstrate it. And some of these things take years. Some of these things take decades. I know you don't want to hear that. But it's just the the truth. And it's always up to people. Whether they'll receive and respond or not. But uh, the Lord will bring them back. Over and over and over again. And you you just smile. If you're persecuted. If you're ridiculed. If you're mocked, you just, you'll be so secure and so confident in the one you know and love and so complete, settled, purposed in your heart that you don't care what anybody says or does. You're not conforming, right? You're not telling them what they have to do, but you know what you're going to do and not do. That will raise a standard. And even if people leave the, t- leave the state, leave the country, they'll remember you. They will. 20 years later, they'll remember you. Why? Because God will bring you back to them. It won't be you bringing them up. He will bring them up. He'll bring you up, I'm trying to say, to them. Do you believe it, saints? Hallelujah. Do you believe the word here? He said, uh, 
When they see your holy behavior, this is the BBE, when they see your holy behavior in the fear of God. Praise God. Look, look with me. Just a couple more here. In Galatians, the sixth chapter. I'll give you just a couple of verses here. Galatians 6 and verse 1. And look, at th- this is in the complete Jewish Bible. Galatians 6, 1. He said, uh, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual do what? Restore such a one. He talked about do it in the spirit of humility. Should we do that? Keep an eye on yourselves so that you won't be tempted to. You know, sometimes people say it boastfully. I've never even been tempted to do that. Well, you just said you don't know anything about it. (laughs) That's nothing to brag about. You've never overcome the temptation because you've never even been tempted. Doesn't mean you're superior. Victorious means you have zero experience in that area. And no victory. (laughs) Right? Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and this way you'll be fulfilling the law of Christ, is what the King James says. Verse 3, if anyone thinks he's something, when he's really nothing, he's fooling himself. Somebody says, well, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't skip those last two words. In Christ. In you, still Zippo. (laughs) Huh? In you, without him, not a, not. <laughs> Verse 4, let each of you scrutinize his own actions. Then if you find something to boast about, at least the boasting will be based on what you've actually done and not merely on a judgment that you're better than someone else. Somebody said this, and it's absolutely the truth, that People tend to judge other folks by their actions and judge their self by their intentions. <laughs> well, you talk about a double standard now. Ignoring what might have been in their heart and mind, but judging yourself as superior because of your intentions. Read it again. Scrutinize your own actions. Not your neighbor's actions. Not your co-worker's actions. Are they living holy? That's not your job. Right? Well, that, that, what they're doing is wrong. <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, help me out, saints. Well, that's just, uh, that's just not right. That's just ungodly. I just That's not being separated. That's fault finding. And that's not a spiritual gift that is favored. (laughs) They should do this and they should do that. What are you showing them how to do? What are they seeing you do? And there, there are cases where you need to demonstrate it without talking about it, without arguing, without fussing. You need to just keep demonstrating it over and over, month after month, year after year. Because there's a lot of people, they know it's right, but they won't acknowledge it and they won't agree with it for years. But you need to be like the master, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Is that Right? If it was right last year, it's still right this year. And it'll be right next year. If it was wrong last year, it's still wrong. And you are consistent. And you are not conforming to unbelief and ungodliness and wrong. But you're also not judgmental about it. You're kind. You're gracious. People will love you for this. You got answers, but you're not trying to push it off on them all the time. The Amplified says, let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself 
alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. Are we supposed to not compare ourselves among ourselves? That that doesn't tell you how well you're doing because you don't know the light they have. If they're walking in all the light they have, but they don't have much light, and you got ten times the light they have, but you're only walking in 50%, who's doing better? (laughs) They look like they're doing worse, but the truth is they're doing way better than you because they're walking in all the light they got. Can you see this? And who knows the heart of human beings, how much light they have. We don't know for sure what they see and what they don't see. We only know what we see. So we should walk in the light that we have. 1 Timothy 4. This one and one more, I think. Don't want to short you. (laughs) We're at the minister's conference. Brother Copeland has a, a little clock that sounds when he's gone an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And, uh, and uh, he said it's to make sure he goes long enough. <laughs> I need that too, though, to make sure. <laughs> make sure I go long enough. I don't want to short you. Around here, we believe in more than enough. Don't get scared. First uh, Timothy 4 1 Timothy 4, 12, let one, no one despise you, he's talking to young people, or think less of you because of your youth. But be an example. Everybody say example. 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 Be a what? Example. Be a what? Example. An annoying fault finder. <laughs> Always preachy, 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 preachy. No, you be a what? Example. An example. Don't just preach to people of, that they should pray. You pray. And let people see the results of your prayers. Did I lose somebody? Or any other area. Be an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Everybody say be an example. Be an example. Can you see in conduct and purity? That includes what we're talking about in separation. 13. Till I come, devote yourself to reading, exhortation. And teaching and stilling of doctrine. We can go back to the, the King James on this one. Verse 14. Neglect not the gift that's in you. Which was given to you by prophecy. And laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them. That your profiting may what? Appear to all. Do what? You read. You be an example. Right? You, you meditate on these things. You produce the fruit of it so that what? Give yourself wholly to it. Not just trying to straighten everybody else out. Give yourself wholly to it. Why? So that you'll be an example, not just of a believer, but an example of what happens. The good things that happen to believers. Did they see anything with Daniel and his companions? In 10 days. They saw a major difference, right? Defiled versus not defiled. Clean versus unclean. And at the end of three years, ten times better. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. The BBE says, give yourself to them with all your heart so that all may see how you go forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That all may see how you're advancing, how God's blessing you. Whether they ask you or not, whether they say they agree with you or not, they see it. I said they see it. It's a living witness. And then there'll be, there will be some, thank God, that they'll say, now, how'd you do that? How'd, how'd that happen? Now you can talk. Is that right? Now be ready to give an answer. But if people don't want to hear it, a lot of times you're trying to cast your pearls before swine. And it can cause more issues than, than it can help. In closing, Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew 5, 
It actually, you know, it takes weight off of you when you realize it's not my job to convince them, to correct them, to straighten them out. Man, it's a relief. And I'm not the Holy Ghost police. Not my job to patrol and examine everybody. And, uh, find what's wrong with you. And what's wrong with you. And we're not supposed to be doing that. That's one thing that will wear you out. And then you get a lot of negative feedback. A lot of people don't like that at all. And they will tell you. And unbelievers will use bad language when they do. And the truth is, you brought it on yourself. Because the Lord never told you to do that. If we'd have been paying better attention to the Holy Spirit, we'd have started to lay into something and he'd have checked us. We'd have thought, hmm, I better hush. Right? If we'd have paid attention to him and he'd have said, no, no, just let them see it. Let them see it. Well, that could take years. Sure could. <laughs> Matthew 5, are you there? Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. What will happen? There's a connection between holiness and seeing God. We think of that in the long term. We'll go to heaven and see God. That's true, but it includes more than that. It includes seeing him now, too. Clean is clear. Clear to hear, clear to see. Verse 9, keep going. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you shouldn't mind a little persecution here and there. You wind up with that. Verse 11, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. It needs to be a lie. Right? <laughs> if they're saying about evil stuff about you. For his sake. Verse 12. If they do, rejoice. Now that is not your natural tendency. When people have called you everything but a nice fellow. <laughs> but a spiritual man or woman will see the bigger picture and you will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Because what? Great, oh somebody say great, great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted or in the same manner they persecuted the prophets, which before you, you are in some good company. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Somebody say, I am the salt of the earth. Salt has flavor. Huh? We, we are the savoriness. And he goes on to talk about that. If the salt loses its savor, your, your flavor, we might say, then how are you going to salt it? It's good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. What's he talking about? We are different. The world without God is rotten. It is putrefying. It is death. Everywhere you go. Oh the devil dresses it up. And sprays glitz on it. And sparkles. <laughs> but underneath the glitz. Is putrefication. Rottenness. You and I. Are, the, are what's preserving this thing. As soon as we're taken out of here. No more guarantees. It's going to get really bad. But uh, you and I are the salt. We're different. Somebody say different. different. We're, we're different. Salty. Can you taste when there's salt and no salt? Huh? Well, that's how it's supposed to be with us. You should be able to tell Christian and not a Christian. Immediately. You take a taste of something, you go, Ooh, that's bland. Ugh, that's, and if it had no salt and no, no refrigeration, it's also stinky. Is that, oh, man, don't eat that. Don't, don't eat that. That's bad. That went bad last month. But if it has salt, it didn't go bad. 
And it also has flavor. We should be spicy. We should be flavorful. And we don't have to be ungodly to do it. We just have the life and the joy and the peace and the truth of God. Somebody say, I'm the salt and I'm the light. You are the light of the world. Say it out loud. We are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill. He said, cannot be hid. Verse 16, let your light do what? So shine before men that they may see. That they may what? Yes, hearing is important. But seeing is also important. That they may not just hear you preaching, but that they may see what? Your good works. And as a result, not just build you up, but glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.